Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Um, so if you remember, you recall, now we have five separate locations, some in the same house, but um, the Rehoboth home now has been, in fact, searched. Uh, one article today that the FBI, in conjunction with Mike Pence, they're going to search his home. Now the question is, do they have any residents, other residents, or the University of Delaware, where they have this trove of documents, when is that going to be searched? Because Biden takes classified documents very, very seriously. That's what they told us as he was condemning Donald Trump when they found documents at Mar-a-Lago after they raided Mar-a-Lago, something they have not done to Joe Biden uh, up to this point. People know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. I'm going to say this. The president takes classified information seriously. You heard that directly from him uh, to classify documents seriously. You heard that directly from him last week. Uh, first, I'm going to repeat what I just said moments ago. Uh, he takes this very seriously when it comes to classified documents, when it comes to classified information. He was unaware. So as, as it relates to classified documents, information, which the president takes very, very seriously, and you heard him speak to it uh, when he was asked by your colleagues yesterday when he was traveling in California. But I will reiterate from here uh, that, uh, and basically what he said to, to, to all of you many times at this point, that he does indeed take classified information and seriously. He does indeed take classified documents seriously. Obviously, the president, you've heard Green say he takes the treatment of classified material seriously. I can assure you that everybody here does, too. Look, I think you've heard the president speak to this. You've heard the president's personal attorneys speak to this. Uh, the president takes this seriously, and that's why he's fully cooperating with the Department of Justice. He's offering total cooperation with the Justice Department as this proceeds. And that's because of an important reason. He takes this seriously. He takes classified information seriously. But uh, as I said earlier this week, people know 
I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. Anyway, uh, if you didn't hear, Joe Biden takes classified documents seriously. Um, at least that's what they keep telling us over and over and over and over again. But yet they keep having more instances of these classified materials showing up in varying locations. Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary uh, to President George W. Bush, uh, also the author of the bestseller Suppression, Deception, Snobbery and Bias and Why the Press Gets So Much Wrong. Um, did you know they took it very seriously, the issue of classified documents? Yeah, I've heard them say that. <laughs> By the way, you've done this job. Did you ever find yourself in a position that that's all you could say? Yes, but you don't do it the way she does it. <laughs> times that you're you're just you're, ban- you're you're stuck, and you can't say this, you can't say that. Counsel's office weighs in, but you don't say it in the same monotonous tone of voice where everything just sounds like you're a talking point. You know, there's just ways to be clever, dance on your feet a little. Uh, I have a little sympathy for her, but there's other ways to do it. But but Sean, at its core, what this comes down to is punctuation. When Joe Biden says he takes classified documents seriously, he meant to put the period after I take classified documents, period. Correct. And and so he did. And he was so harsh in his condemnation of Donald Trump. That's the great irony in this whole story. Right. Is that, you know, Mar-a-Lago gets raided. And, and this is what I don't understand. When I listen to liberal commentators and read liberal publications, it's all the same thing. Well, well, Joe Biden was always cooperating. OK, if that's true, why has nobody ever had access to the the, the trove of documents at the University of Delaware? Um, secondly, Donald Trump was cooperating. How do we know that? We know that because the FBI had unfettered access prior to the raid and they were in the very storage room where eventually during the raid that some classified materials were found. And then they requested, and I just got this information yesterday. They had already had a padlock on that door. They requested a second one be put on the door. This I just learned from my source yesterday. Um, so the FBI was there. They could have taken things that day. I am, I imagine if they said, no, this has to come with us. I don't think anybody would have objected. Um, but they called back. They asked for a padlock to be put on the door. What gave Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray the impression that they wouldn't further cooperate when they had cooperated all the way up to that point? Well, if you believe reporting, they did say that there was a subpoena issued for the Trump documents and he didn't comply with the subpoena. And that's what led to the raid. Now, I do think if you get a subpoena, you need to comply. If you find out you have classified documents in your basement, you return them. You return them immediately with no questions asked. That's what President Trump should have done. That does not excuse the FBI, excuse the FBI coming in with guns blazing, circling Mar-a-Lago, pictures of armed FBI agents on the streets, and then their selective leaking of photos of the documents of Trump. We don't see any of that with Joe Biden, do we? And it doesn't matter if you're cooperating or not. The tactics the FBI uses for a non-dangerous situation should be identical between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and they weren't. The Justice Department went in, guns a-blazing, cameras a-blazing for Donald Trump. No similar treatment for Joe Biden. So when you were press secretary, instead of just regurgitating the same line, he takes classified documents seriously, did you ever find yourself looking for other ways and writing down a list of ways to basically say the same thing? And- 
So yeah, I mean, I didn't need to write them down. I kind of had them in my head. <laughs> look, what I would what I would have done here if if I was Corinne Jean Pierre, I would have said, "Look, guys, this is a criminal investigation, and when there's a criminal investigation." Lawyers will tell you, if you talk to anybody inside the White House to figure out what's going on, you just make yourself a witness. And when you become a witness in Washington, that means you've got to get $1,000, $2,000 an hour lawyers. I'm not going down that road, guys. So there's this, nothing on this story I can help you with. That's why you've got to talk to the counsel's office. Sorry, but my duties as press secretary end when there's a criminal probe. I cannot be your inquisitor reporters you got to do it on your own let's talk a little bit i had kevin mccarthy on my show last night and this is the challenge that he has he met with biden for an hour yesterday uh we don't really have a pending debt ceiling problem that this is something that would be a problem come may june july somewhere in that time frame so there's plenty of time for republicans to organize and what i said the reason that joe biden initially said he wouldn't negotiate i believe the democrats are calculating that, in fact, Republicans won't unite behind a single plan and demand in exchange for the debt ceiling that they get spending cuts, concessions or border uh, concessions to secure our border, whatever it is that they all agree on. In other words, Kevin McCarthy's task is to take a slim majority, get all 222 Republicans on board and committed to their ask. Then they've got to present it to the White House with unflinching calmness and conviction and then as time goes on the white house has to understand that they're standing up for their principles and they will not raise the debt ceiling unless something is done say for example i would like to see it done on spending um do you believe kevin mccarthy can achieve that that is not a that's not an easy lift ari you know washington as well as anybody with a five-vote majority on something as sensitive as spending priorities, and especially if you exempt Social Security and Medicare as you must, the only other place to get the money is going to be defense. So I don't see how Republicans can get their ducks in a row to be the sincere party of spending. What if you forget defense and you take discretionary spending, but not only do you stop uh, rate of growth increases, however, you know, you have cuts across the board, that could be a significant amount. It could be a significant amount, but if they try to do it to balance the budget versus on domestic discretionary only, they're going to lose the votes. They're going to lose a lot of the moderate members. That's the problem with having a five-vote majority. And don't forget, Sean, whatever Kevin does, even if he has unity in the House to cut spending, which I hope they do, they got to get it through the Senate, too. Otherwise, it's an idle threat to Joe Biden. Well, is it because if they're not going to vote to raise the debt ceiling, the Senate will just be able to do it along with Joe Biden? I don't think that's how it works. Here's what scares me on the debt ceiling. I think that the Democrats believe that they can hammer Republicans into submission, and they're probably right. This is where... I'm betting the other way. Now, I'm taking the long shot here. I I am going to bet that somehow, some way, they will unite behind a plan and that they will hold their ground And in spite of what you, you and I both know will be said. The full faith and credit of the United States government is hanging in the balance. And in spite of that, if their request is reasonable and they can show the American people with, you know, over thirty one trillion dollars in debt that we need some fiscal responsibility and convince them that what they're asking for is reasonable. I think they can win that debate up to a point, Sean. The problem is, let's say they come out with one hundred billion dollars of good spending cuts. And then the Senate sits on it, which is what Chuck Schumer will do, because Democrats in the Senate don't want to cut a penny. Nothing's threatening Joe Biden. 
nothing's coming to his desk that he would have to veto. So Biden can play footloose and say, you know, it's reasonable. I might be able to go along with that. But, you know, if the Senate doesn't pass it, we can't let the United States default. Okay, and Republicans and media figures like myself will be playing Biden over and over again saying he won't negotiate. And we'll compare it to Joe Biden. And I played it last night on TV and I played it on this radio show a number of times. Uh, Joe Biden in 2011 uh, was very critical of my way or the highway mentality and said you must negotiate on the issue of the this very issue of the debt ceiling. All, all good points and fair points, but I still believe, Sean, based on my history of watching Washington, when it comes push comes to shove on debt limit, Republicans will fold. So you're saying that the big difference between a Republican majority and a Democratic majority is the Democrats don't fold? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. And I will tell you this. Sean? This is going to be a real test Great. of Kevin McCarthy's leadership skills. This is going to be a moment where he is going to have to you know, get all of these varying factions in the House, you know, the Tuesday group, the Sunday group, the study group, the Freedom Caucus, all of them together, united on what their ask is. It's got to be reasonable. They got to bring their case to the American people. And then they got to hold the line and not budge. And modern history says that's not the Republican Party anymore. The Democrats amazingly have become the party of unity and Republicans are fractured on these big issues. So that's with their five vote majorities. We're still able to pass big spending bills in the House, not as big as they wanted. AOC and the squad made noises. But at the end of the day, they all got in line. What about 2011 when Republicans were able to negotiate out a deficit reduction plan that included sequestration? That would be a good result to do again here. But again, it would hit the fence. That's the problem. Sequestration, which was the only time in my lifetime there were actual real cuts. Not just slow down the rate of growth, but those actual meaningful cuts in domestic spending was matched by equivalent cuts to the Defense Department. And that made us a weaker military. Quick break. Right back. More with Ari Fleischer on the other side. Then we'll get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN. Our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right. We continue. Ari Fleischer is with us as we continue. Let's talk. look at this through a political prism here. Assuming Republicans are standing firm on reckless spending, record high debt, and they're saying we can't do this anymore to our kids and grandkids. We will increase the debt ceiling, but you have to guarantee these cuts. As soon as you guarantee the cuts and stop robbing from our children and grandchildren, we will go along with your debt ceiling increase so as to, you know, fulfill our debt obligations uh, as is imperative for the country. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. You two-track it. You come up with what your spending cuts are, then you know Biden will demagogue it. But the first test, and it comes by April 15th, can Congressman Jody Arrington, the chairman of the House Budget Committee, come up with a budget resolution on time that shows what passed to those cuts. And when he does, Katie, bar the door. We'll be back, right back in the usual pattern of Democrats demagoguing it, saying the poor will suffer, elderly will get thrown off a cliff. And that will be the test of unity for Republicans. If Republicans can pass that budget resolution to do that by April 15th, then, Sean, we're on to a two-track process. You better make these cuts, Joe Biden. Otherwise, we don't give you support. On now, why do I feel like I spent the majority of this interview with you disagreeing with me, and now I feel like you're agreeing with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm being the political realist, saying I just don't think Republicans have the unity to do it. 
And that's because I've watched it too many times in recent years with Republican fractures speak larger than their unity. I, I have watched and witnessed all of the above with you, and I've seen it. However, something is different this time. I think the mood of the country, and I'm also looking at poll numbers, I think when people hear $31 trillion in debt that we're putting on our kids and grandkids, that is a powerful argument. And there's nobody in the country that wouldn't want waste, fraud, abuse, corruption, earmarks, like in the last omnibus bill, um, you know, put on our kids and grandkids. I don't see that. It's a good test for the modern Republican Party. But you know what? Under Donald Trump and Republicans, really, we stopped being the party of fiscal discipline. We stopped being the party that really cared about these things. Well, we had record growth up until COVID. COVID was a game changer. COVID was a game changer, no question about it. But Donald Trump was the one who said Medicare, Social Security, off limits. Republicans were the kind of the stern uncle party of spending discipline that no one wanted to listen to. But it was the right good thing for the nation. We've gotten away from that. And politics... Listen, the last time we balanced the budget, Newt Gingrich was speaker. So that goes for every administration, doesn't it? That's correct. All right, Ari, we always appreciate you being with us. 800-941-SEAN, our number, if you want to be a part of the program. Where do you hear the story about the woke agenda? The Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. They kicked out a dozen Catholic high school students and their chaperones. Why? Because they're wearing hats with a pro-life message. They'll join us coming up. Uh, all right, let's go to John in Florida. John, how are you? Glad you called. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Doing great. Just living in free Florida and waiting to see when you're going to move down here. Soon. I hope soon. I'm trying my best. There's a lot of obstacles, but I'm trying. All right. Well, it's sunny weather. It's 81 degrees right now. And come on, we're waiting for you. All right. Um, but I want to share one thing, and I think a lot of the American public feels the same way. Uh, the frustration level of the double standard of the way they treat a president who had the authority to uh, unclassify documents and had the full right to do so, and they make that into a crime. And then the double standard of the way they treat, again, the uh, the Bidens. But here, and then one more thing. And by the way, that's the same goes for Hillary Clinton, too. She got preferential treatment. No prosecutor would ever prosecute, you might recall. Absolutely, 100%. And then one more thing. I think this is called Operation Cleanup Vacuum Cleaner by the CIA and the the Department of Justice, where they knew the Republicans were coming into office, they were going to start the investigations, and they came in and vacuumed up all the evidence. And now they cannot disclose anything because everything is under investigation. You know something? I don't know what it is. I just know this, is that I believe we have an FBI politicized and a DOJ weaponized. I want to hear from these whistleblower FBI agents, which I believe we will be hearing from in the next few months. I want to hear their stories and understand why they believe what they believe and what evidence they might have to go along with it. Anyway, great call, my friend. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Larry is in Pennsylvania. Larry, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Sean, it's an honor to be on your show. I've listened to you for years. And if you can just give me a second to babble this out to you, uh, this classified document thing with uh, President Biden and former President Trump, I would like to know, and I haven't heard anyone ask, who is actually in charge of packing this stuff up, shipping it off to these former presidents, vice presidents, senators, and God only knows who else gets this stuff. And why are, why is no one being held accountable for allowing 
top-secret documents to be removed from our national archives. It should be under lock and key at Fort, Fort Knox, you know. And then we just go on and on with all these committees holding hearings. And nothing ever gets resolved. You got the January 6th committee. You got this classified document issue. You got the Hunter laptop, the fake Russia collusion. You got Clinton's server. You got Benghazi, the southern border wide open, inflation, Biden bragging about getting the prosecutor in Ukraine fired, and it just goes on and on. The country is growing very, very weary of all these constant distractions and committee investigations where nothing gets done, no one's ever held accountable. While the people that we elect to do the job that they're elected to do is getting put on the back burner while all this other nonsense is going on. And I just, you know, I, I actually feel sorry for Trump even announcing that he's going to run again because it's going to be another four years of these guys just badgering him. By, by the way, do you think it's going to be different if it's any other Republican? Because I don't. I do not believe it will be any different. They're never going to stop their nonsense until somebody gets to the bottom of this stuff. Well, I mean, we had all the evidence that I think you could ever bring in the case of Russia collusion. It's fascinating. You know, at this late date this week, the Columbia, uh, what is it, journalism school comes out with a study in that study excoriating places like the New York Times, Washington Post. Then you've got Bob Woodward coming out saying, I warned everybody at the Washington Post, don't trust this Steele dossier. And he said, nobody would listen to me. And there I was, here I was on this radio program, on TV every night with my ensemble cast of Solomon and Sarah Carter and Greg Jarrett. And and I, I can't even mention everybody and somebody will get offended. And every night, every one of them. And, we, and we got it right. But yet the New York Times... The, the Columbia Review Journal just pointed out got pretty much everything wrong and they got pulled surprises for it. Now, you know, when we make mistakes, we have no problem coming on the air and saying, you know what, got that wrong. Uh, we're sorry. That's it. I mean, occasionally when you're doing a lot of research and information comes fast and furious. And even if you're citing other publications, you know what? Occasionally they're wrong. And then we, we do our best to make sure vet it. Uh, we do a lot of vetting on this program, a lot of vetting on TV. I mean, the amount of research is voluminous. And the fact is, is that we have a corrupt media establishment and it is most of the media. That's why I call them the mob. They have a mob mentality and you have corrupt, you know, deep state actors in the upper echelons of our intelligence community, even the FBI. This needs to be cleaned out. People that are not political need to be put in those positions uh, people that will not weaponize justice, that, that truly believe in equal justice and equal application of our laws, they need to be in charge of the Department of Justice. Um, I share your frustration, but it doesn't mean we stop. I share your frustration, but, you know, we've got to try. There's too much at stake here for our kids and our grandkids. Just just hang in this fight. I, I'm telling you something is about to break the dam wide open. I can feel it. I've been doing this a long time. I hope I'm right. Larry, love you, man. Appreciate the call. California, Steve is on the Sean Hannity Show. Steve, how are you? Glad you called. Very good, Sean. God bless you. I pray for you every day. I know you're sitting on the tip of the spear, and I don't know if I'd want to be sitting up there with you. Anyway. Well, let me tell you, let me give you an answer to that question. Probably not, <laughs> because it's every single day. I feel like you know a lot more than you can tell us. I don't know why, but... Um, I, I, like by, the, by the way, there's some truth to that. 
I, I think there's a lot more than some truth. Anyway, embrace. But, but I try to be as honest with my audience as I can. And if I'm not saying it, there's, there's probably a legal reason why. I know. I feel like you're a, a governor on how fast the information goes on for our own good as well as yours. So I understand that. Um, embrace mail-in uh, voting. You, you tell us to do that. And I'm, I yell at you sometimes like a brother, you know, like back and forth at the radio. Yeah. You say mail-in mail in ballots, embrace that, harvesting the ballots. You know, and I know we can do that ballot for ballot with them. Um, we can do it better than them because we have integrity. We have a desire to do things the right way, to do things decently in order. But those guys, when we do that ballot for ballot, what are we going to do when we run out of all the legal ballots and they start forging signatures and dumping stacks? You got you got to be able to prove it. And the evidence has to be overwhelming and incontrovertible uh, before anything would ever get done. But, you know, I will tell you one of my greatest disappointments about 2020 is I'll, I'll, I'll pick the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Wisconsin. You know, read the the 4-3 decision, the in writing for the minority, the chief justice in Wisconsin, a, a beatdown of all beatdowns, uh, how the state didn't follow the laws of the state regarding elections. You know, look at Pennsylvania has in their constitution, their state constitution, very specific examples when people can vote by mail and it was literally rather than go through the arduous process as they should have constitutionally to change the constitution they just passed legislation that changed voting completely in pennsylvania uh circumventing their own constitution and no court wanted to deal with it and to me that is a travesty of justice it breaks my heart can i give you a suggestion we had we had many affidavits, thousands of them given over. That was ignored, signed under the penalty of perjury. Yes, sir. I know, for as a felony, but I was going to ask you, is there any way you could bring one or two of those people on a week and we could get into how these guys get away with this stuff so we out here that are working the well, pavement can know what we're looking at? Listen, now we're going back two years, and I'm going to be very blunt with you. Okay. Um. This has been now litigated and discussed to the point nobody I am just telling you, generally speaking, you I want to know more about it. You want to know more about it. But America, elections are about the future. And I'm just being real with you. I've done that. I've talked to I call those people whistleblowers, by the way. And I thought Democrats liked whistleblowers, but they only like them when they work for them. So unfortunately, we have to deal now with the hand we're dealt. We have too much work to do in order to bring as much integrity to the process as possible. And by the way, this is not my first choice. I'm just dealing with the reality that states are not going to go to same-day voting, paper ballots, between now and November of 2024. And if there was any chance that could happen, I'd be fighting for that. That is going to have to happen over time when governors, especially in swing states, you know, take a bold stand and get the people in their states to go along with them. But in the meantime... You know, we're fighting, a, we have a system that if we continue to fight against it, it's not going to work. So we've got to get rid of this reluctance and, res and resistance towards mail-in balloting and, and early voting. And, and we've got to get into the same business that Democrats are. They don't shake hands. They don't kiss babies. They don't do town halls. They don't do, want to even do debates. They don't do any of that. They run negative ads and they run ballot harvesting operations based on the laws of their state. In other words, they're doing it legally.
Republicans are not in that game. They think they can win this the old-fashioned way just by having better ideas and, and kissing babies and doing selfies. That's that's not going to work anymore. In your opinion, that if, if we match a mail-in ballot for mail-in ballot and... Uh, I think we win. For harvested ballot, we will push them to such an extent that it'll be harder for them to cheat in these areas where we can't get the voter integrity in place. I, I think if we adopt their methods, I think we win, yes, because I think our ideas are superior. And I think there's been enough damage done in two years under Biden that a lot of Americans are going to be looking to move on from, from this insanity. Plus, I feel like our people can shake their hands, do the rallies, go out and discuss the issues and match them ballot for ballot. Because that's what we're about. Well, that's the, and by the way, I'm talking. there's only one state that requires every, the individual voter to hand in the ballot themselves, and that's Alabama. Every other state has some version of ballot harvesting. So the answer to your question is we should not only match it, we should do it better than them. But if they don't start preparing for that now, it's not going to happen. Anyway, I got to run, Steve. Appreciate your call. Smart caller. We we have the smartest audience of anybody. I will take a quick break. We'll come right back. We'll get back to your phone calls. 800-941-SEAN. Our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get back to our busy phones. What a news day this is. Uh, Steve in Georgia. Steve, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Uh, Steve, like you said, in Georgia, I'm a uh, retired Army officer. I've uh, been retired a number of years. Well, thank you for your service. Glad you called. Well, thank you. I, uh, I watch your show, listen to your show, and I've never called, but it's just a couple things that have been bugging me that I, I wanted to discuss. First of all, this whole uh, classified document thing, uh, I think uh, the media, uh, I think the, the the investigators, everybody's missing the key point here. Classified documents are controlled by an individual or an office. When you take a classified document, and I, I had the SCI for, for years, uh, if you're allowed to take it out of the skiff, which generally you're not, you had to sign for that. You had to count the pages. It was uh, counted as you brought it back in, and it was signed for uh, why were those people not calling on them for uh, having delinquent classified documents out? We need to find out who ran the skiff in the White House, who runs the skiff in uh, on Capitol Hill. We have rules; they're just not listening to them. And I, I don't. Well, I, I, part of the blame here. Remember, the National Archives was called in this week, and James Comer told me, and it, the story went viral. That, in fact, the archives were advised by the, I guess, the DOJ, somebody in the Biden White House, not to answer uh, the oversight questions of Jim Comer and his committee, the House Oversight Committee. So um, we've got to get to the bottom of that. I will tell you this, and I'm not making an excuse for anybody here because you're you are a thousand percent right. But we're talking about voluminous amounts of material here that are handed out, you know, to varying top officials that have top security clearances. But you're right. The system is broken. No, look, I, I can make this prediction right here and right now. Documents are not going to impact Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Mike Pence. It's just not um, just like it didn't impact Hillary, although the Hillary issue was far more severe because of the 33,000 deleted emails and devices destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. So but I will say this. When we get to the bottom of the question of money made abroad by the Biden family, I believe it's my thought. We'll see. And it's an educated guess. 
based on everything I've seen and read. That is their great vulnerability. But, you know, let's see what happens. Time is going to, you know, will they do anything about it? I don't know. I can't even answer that question. I mean, that's how ridiculous things get over time. Anyway, I do appreciate your call. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We'll continue. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.